Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Okay, so I have a question for you. On a scale of zero to five, where zero is, I don't think about it at all, and five is, I'm fully connected, how on top of your hormone health are you? If you said zero to one, it is time to build that connection. Your hormones and your cycle are central to your overall functioning and regulating your body will completely transform your mental, emotional, and physical health. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. And even though it helps for more than just menopause, Hormone Harmony is great for any horrible menopausal symptoms that put a woman's life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, raising thoughts, low mood, poor sleep, feeling tired all the time, bloating and gas, lower sexual desire. Hormone Harmony can help with all of those things. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code BGH at checkout. My, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. And yes, you are correct in seeing that there are two episodes that are being released this week. I really wanted to share the topic around coping with your lack of self-worth and imposter syndrome inspired by the beautiful Ari Lennox. Um, And I also really wanted to talk about avoidance, love avoidance. We have not talked about love avoidance specifically a minute. And I know that love avoidance is a topic favorite. It is one that uh, y'all cannot get enough of and I can't get enough talking about, which is why I try to leave it in between um, different episodes. But today we're going to focus on it. And today, instead of us breaking down what does the problem look like, let's look at what does this look like when we come to the other side of it? What are some gains that you can expect to get as you heal from love avoidance or as you unlearn the symptoms of love avoidance and start to create new patterns, new pathways, uh, what are some examples of that? And in today's episode, I'm going to talk about some of the nuance too. You know, I, I saw someone talk about on Twitter recently that you don't that you, no one ever heals, you know, that healing is a process that you're always going to pro- be in a process of healing, you know, which is, you know, what we've talked about here. And so we're not looking to say that 
I will never be love avoidant because some of the things that you are considering to be love avoidant are probably actually good boundaries. They're probably um, cues for you to let you know when you need to step back and what makes you feel emotionally safe. And yes, sometimes what makes you feel emotionally safe is based in trauma and some of it is based in self-care. And some of it is based in the need to recharge. Some of you are love avoidance and you are extroverts. And so knowing how to balance that is pretty interesting and sometimes hard. And some of y'all are introverts and also love avoidance. And so the way, the way that your healing path and the way that is going to look for you is going to be different for someone else who um, in their highest level f- form, when they are connected to their core self, they are extroverted and they love to be around people. You at your most highest level self, you're never going to be energized by being in large groups of people, right? So when we try to do this one size fits all, it can leave us feeling behind. It can leave us feeling even resentful of the process, confused, and not even wanting to work on this stuff because for me to be here, quote unquote, or for me to be walking towards being more love available, I would have to do things that I don't want to do, right? And so we're going to paint the picture of what it looks like to be love available for for everyone today. And I hope that you find it helpful. Uh, So some exciting news before we jump in that is related to this. So as y'all know, my recovery school program is the way that I help women work through this. It is the way that I help women heal from love addiction, love avoidance, and love deprivation. And on September 20th at 6.30 p.m. CST, I'm having a live open house where I will be talking about the program, what it would look like to work together, um, answering all your questions, breaking down what our different tracks look like, and letting you know Uh, this is what you can expect. This is what the support will look like and letting you know all the options for you to see if it is the right fit for you. If you've been wanting to work together for a long time and you have been wanting to ask me these direct questions or just to learn more, this is your chance. It is free to attend. And also there will be a special gift or incentive for those who attend as well. So I'll share more about that at the end of the episode. But for now, let's go ahead and jump on in. So let's start how I normally start, which is defining love avoidance. However, I'm going to spend more time talking about the definition for love love availability, because I don't think that I have defined that fully here outside of, of course, giving examples, but just to give you all a couple of sentences about what that looks like. So the definition for someone who is love avoidant is or the practice of love avoidance is the systematic putting up of walls in a relationship to avoid feeling emotionally overwhelmed by another person the love avoidant person may see love as a duty or obligation and thus relationships are experienced as an emotional drain on the other end of that though the path that we want to get to when we look at what are we healing towards what is the point of all this what does this look like if I'm not living in love avoidance, you are living in love availability. And love availability is the practice of opening and allowing healthy others to see and experience you in totality while practicing self-acceptance. The love available person leads with openness, but still maintains her personal standards for connection. I'm going to say that again. Love availability is the practice of opening and allowing healthy others to see and experience you in totality while practicing self-acceptance. 
The love available person leaves with openness, but still maintains her personal standards for connection. So let's break down this definition. So the first part, love availability is the practice of opening and allowing healthy others to see and experience you in totality. So I want to kind of start in the middle of that sentence and talk about healthy others. I think one of the biggest fears of those who struggle with love avoidance or the reason why love avoidance exists is because you have been hurt. You have been hurt. You've been portrayed. You've been neglected. You've been let down. um, You and you have learned from that, right? And so now all of the tests that you have, all the walls that you have are methods of defense against people who may be predators. And we'll we'll talk about that more um, in this, in the definition, but the key to being love available, or one of the markers of being love available is that you're letting people in, but you're letting in people who are healthy. You're not letting everybody in. You're not letting in people who talk to you nice just because they talk to you nice. You're not letting in people because you feel guilty. You're not letting people in because you are living in fear of being alone. You're not letting people in out of obligation. Um, You're letting people in because you have assessed that they are healthy people to let in, that you are clear you are clear in your mind about what are the standards and the qualities of someone that you would want to, to, to be in your inner circle or be in your presence. You know, I've talked about before that one of the definitions of boundaries is not, um, all the no's and all the rules that you have for other people for them to gain access to you, not leading from that perspective, which is a very defensive perspective, versus boundaries are more about this is what I need to continue to say yes to you, right? So I'm leading with the yes. I'm ready to say yes. Can you show up in a way that allows me to continue to say yes? I live in a very yes lifestyle. I will say yes to pleasure. I will say yes to friendships. I will say yes to adventures. I will say yes to things that make me feel good just because. And I want you to experience that with me. I want to invite you to be a part of that because that's how I live my everyday. I don't live my everyday looking for the next shoe to drop, looking for bad things to happen to me. I'm not going to allow some random person who I've just met met to kill that vibe, right? (laughs) By me living in self-defense. So love, love availability, again, is the practice of opening and allowing healthy others to come into that vibe to come and experience you in totality while practicing self-acceptance. So one of the really secret secret wounds of someone who is love avoidant is not just that you may be love avoidant because of the things that have happened to you, but all of the things that have happened to you have reinforced a negative belief that there is something wrong with you. That either there's something wrong with you, you're not enough, You, if you could show up in a different way, other people want to do this to you, or if I was smarter, if I was wiser, if I wasn't so foolish, if I wasn't so gullible, then people want to get the best of me, you know, so the belief is I'm, I'm good enough, but I'm just so, so foolish when it comes to this. But for every love avoidant person that I've ever worked with, if there is someone that exists that this is not the case. I have not met them. Not to say that it, this doesn't exist, but every single love avoidant person that I have met has a negative core belief, negative core wound that um, causes them to hide. 
And love avoidance may be a really great defensive strategy to keep people out who may hurt you, but it's also really great at making sure that you don't let anybody in who can see your soft parts that can see these vulnerable parts and then reject you because of what they see. Right. It's like multi-layer defense mechanisms. You got the steel walls, you got the codes, you got the laser beams, you know, people got to get through all this stuff just to get to, um, you know, that crown jewel. And even then it's in a glass case, you know? And so the way that you work through that by being love available is by practicing that self-acceptance is by you getting to the core of what are the parts of me that I've disowned, the parts of me that I feel shame about, the parts of me that I'm afraid of people seeing, the reason why I create all this chaos from letting and stopping people from getting connected to me and letting me in um, or letting them in. What am I actually hiding myself? What, why am I hiding? And what is the purpose of this? At my open house, this is where... Uh, for those who've attended the open house, you've you've seen this before. Um, hundreds of you have attended before, so you know that this is the case. This is where I break down the different archetypes of love addiction, love avoidance, and love deprivation in more detail. And I talk about more of the strategies of what this looks like when you are dealing with love avoidance, like how this may present. Again, as promised, I'm not going to spend this today's episode talking as much about that problem part but if this part is piquing your interest I would really encourage you to come to the open house for that reason too um, because I teach a whole class before I talk about the recovery school program um, just to make sure that everyone understands why we're there so that you can see yourself that you can feel comfortable that you can take something with you um, even if you decide not to join so just know that that's available for you so when it comes to being love available and practicing that self-acceptance and we're getting to that 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 deeper root and once we start to accept ourselves once we start to love ourselves all that that fear about what other people will think it dissipates um for some people it goes away completely depending on the core wound and for some people it just it just lowers significantly and you have access to tools related to self-compassion, self-acceptance, self-love, self-knowledge, right? Just knowing who you are to where any negative comments or thoughts or projections, a lot of us will project um, what we think other people are thinking onto them when really it's our negative thoughts. When you're love available, your your projections are now positive, right? Of course, people like me. Of course, you know, this is a trustworthy situation. Of course, things are going to work out for me in this friendship or in this connection. Of course, you know, I'm so excited about having this new person in my life, more people that I get to love and connect to versus the dread that happens sometimes when you live in love avoidance, which is oh, what's the catch or when's the next shoe going to drop, you know? And so we want to to live in love availability truly is living in freedom. It is you feeling safer in your body, which I'm going to talk about more in a moment, like some of the gains that come when you shift out of being love avoidant to being love available, feeling more safe, safety in your body, being able to sleep at night um, a little bit better. Um, your conversations with other people, you're able to stop and reflect on what may have been a trigger before to now it's just a neutral comment, right? Or even you don't, it doesn't even 
get on your radar anymore <laughs> because you're a different person, right? And you're coming from a different perspective. So that is the first part of the definition. Love availability is the practice of opening and allowing healthy others to see and experience you in totality while practicing self-acceptance. I'm going to say a little bit more about that. Um, so uh, the opening and allowing healthy others, that is code for initiating, so not only are you open and inviting to people initiating with you, it also means that you are initiating with other people. Again, when you are coming from a place of love availability, you so know yourself and you so love yourself and you have so much trust within yourself and you have so much um, new validated experiences with the people around you to where you it offsets any negative experiences that you've had. It does not make you rejection proof, but instead of all the proof that you have in your head is all the people who've rejected you and abandoned you and hurt you before, you now have more instances of friends, of lovers, of chosen family, or even blood-related family who have shown up for you and loved you deeply, right? And so that 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 now offsets um, the things have, that have happened before, right? Because you are living in a new reality, you are your perspective is, is different. Um, you're able to pay attention to the blessings that you have instead of all of the negative things. You know, we've talked about that here on the podcast that sometimes some of us can be so, so low that it's not that good things are not happening to us. It is not that we are living in scarcity in that way. It's not that there are not blessings falling, but we there's not blessings falling, but we cannot feel them. We cannot connect them, connect to them. We cannot stay grounded to them because we are so trained to look at the what ifs or expecting for it to go away. It is very uncomfortable for us to live in happiness. It's very uncomfortable for us to live in joy. And we all want that. We want to live in this place of, of pure, um, of pure liberation, right? Our own internal sense of liberation that we get from the inside that radiates out. So again, love of love availability is a practice of opening up of allowing other people in. It's about invitation, right? It's about saying yes to invitations as well. When the people are healthy, which goes to the second part of the definition, which is the love available person leads with openness, but still maintains her personal standards for connection. So I know what I need to say. Yes, I start off with the yes. And when I start to see the red flags and when I start to see the breaches and um, what my boundaries are, when I start to see the things that make me feel uncomfortable mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, I can step away and I can demote, you know, and I think the problem for some of us um, is going into the all or nothing and black and white thinking. And with love avoidance, we are very quick to cut people off. Um, we're looking for a reason, right? And that muscle is very strong, right? So you break a boundary, you're out, right? Which makes it really hard to navigate the fact that to be human and to be in relationship is not black and white. There's gray, there's gray moments that happen. There's a spectrum that happens. So when you meet a person that's amazing, but there's a miscommunication, there's a misunderstanding, there's a missed moment or whatever, there's not any grace to repair that. 
um, that person is put in the same category as an abuser, as a perpetrator. Um, there's no space for repair. So what that means is you go through your whole life. If you, if you have relationships with humans, you go through your whole life with people who are seen as disposable. And this includes if you're a very giving and loving person, um, because you don't know how to navigate the in-between. You don't know the spectrum of these people qualify. They're, they're allowing me to say yes to them being in my inner circle. And these people, I can't say yes to them being good friends. These people, I'm okay saying yes to them being acquaintances. These people are okay with me, you know, saying hello in a grocery store. I won't turn the corner if, if I see them, right? And these other people are enemies. <laughs> these other people are, you know, even frenemies, you know, for those who may be in uh, forced proximity with folks that you have to work with or something. So maybe they're frenemies, you know, you're casual, but you're very clear that they cannot be trusted, you know? So to be love available means that you are able to Still maintain your personal standards for connection. You do not lose when you are available. When you're living in this liberation, you're actually more connected to who you are, what makes you feel good, what makes you feel safe, what makes you feel happy, right? Um, without living in this continual threat response, which is so hard for your nervous system. It's hard for your relationships. It's hard for um, your own self-esteem, right? Because when you're living in that type of place, everything is a hit to your self-esteem when you're primed for it, when you're very hypervigilant to it, when you don't know how to self-soothe and practice that self-care. And the love available person knows how to practice that self-acceptance. She knows how to self-soothe. She knows how to calm herself down. She knows how to give that to herself first so that she doesn't have to live on the offense in her everyday life, right? So that is the definition of love availability. Now let's talk about some other gains that come from when you heal from love avoidance into love availability. So, and these are going to be things that I have personally experienced that I can tell you it, they are true. Um, and I can point you to other people who have found this to be true. And some of those people may be you. Some of these, some of these things that I talk about are going to be things that you have personally experienced. So you know that um, it is possible. You know that you are not always, you weren't born this way. You weren't born into running from love or cutting people off and not being able to be connected to yourself and needing to overcompensate or needing to hide or however your love avoidance shows up for you. These were all things that were learned. And so they can be unlearned as well and they can be healed. Okay. So one of the first gains that comes from um, moving into love availability versus love avoidance is the unraveling of those negative core beliefs that I mentioned. So for me, these are core beliefs that core beliefs that I've already talked about here in the podcast, but some core beliefs that I have had to work to unlearn at different levels is that I'm a burden, that I'm too much, that um, others don't care about what I'm talking about, you know, and side note, y'all, I have consistently seen that across the board, that negative core beliefs are almost always the things that people thrive in. So I have sat in conversations with people who were so concerned that they were so selfish and so concerned that they were, you know, self-centered and that they were too much in that respect, that they needed too many things. 
And if anything, they were some of the most giving people. They were naturally generous. And yes, you could say that there could have been some, um, you know, people pleasing. But one of this this person I'm thinking about, just her core essence was someone who was compassionate and giving and empathic, right? But meanwhile, her negative core belief that she felt haunted by was that she was selfish, you know, me feeling as if what I say does not matter, or that people don't care what I say, when part of the way that I help people heal is by sharing what I know, right? And so we're we're usually attacked in the places that are our biggest strengths. And um, it feels it really feels as if it is true, but it is not. And so to unravel these negative core beliefs is huge, is monumental. And the way that that happens in love availability is twofold. One, it is by you doing your own individual work, but really, really, it is emphasized and magnified like times a hundred when you are in healthy friendships and relationships with people who see you at the moments that you feel that you are the most exposed, the most vulnerable, the most imperfect. And they not only love you anyways, it's not like they love you in spite of it. They love you. There, there's You learn that there's no contingencies. In your mind, there's always con- contingencies. There's performance factors. There are situational quotas that you have to meet to keep people around before things go sour, which is why you're so used to relationships being transactional or something happening or something um, um, sabotaging the relationships or ending it before you can. uh, If you do decide to be in connection with someone and be vulnerable and be open, but you learn in these types of relationships with healthy people that love is love and love is consistent and love is there for you even when things are going wrong and even when things are um, less than perfect, right? Because it is possible to be in relationships with people who want you and see you and love you for you and all that that entails. And so if that is your reality, if that is your truth, All that other stuff about I'm a burden and I'm not enough and, you know, I'm too much or, you know, I'm not, um, I could be doing this or I'm not or I always make mistakes or I'm a fuck up or, you know, whatever your negative core thought is, it starts to lose that air. It starts to lose the ground that it's been walking on all this time, right? And then you're at a crux of what are you going to believe now? And, you know, we don't always, part of our growth journey is learning, okay, What does it feel depending on the path that I decide? If I decide to move towards love availability, that means that there is a relinquishing of these beliefs, right? I'm starting to let it go and I need to replace it now with what are the real truths about what's happening, that people do care about me, that I deserve to exist, that I'm worthy being here, that I am enough, right? Versus what happens when you get to this um this crossroads and you choose the love avoidant path that looks like, well, because everybody around you is not acting up, right. And they are staying healthy and available. Then the sabotage happens, sabotaging your part, picking fights, looking for reasons to not hang out, getting busy, um, magnifying something small that isn't real. Um, getting mad about something that hasn't happened and really holding a grudge about that and continuing to nurture that grudge over time, you know, you will look for a reason 
to break up something that is good for you um, versus going forward, right? And so, again, sometimes we have to go down those paths to learn what it is that we're doing and and why for us to to remedy it. This is why I I you've heard me say if you've been a long-term listener to this podcast, you've heard me really emphasizing the importance of amends and apologies and saying I'm sorry because on this path of healing, so much of this podcast validates that your feelings are right, that you have a right to to feel the way that you feel and that you know your feelings were hurt and to like really lean into that and 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 through that you're going to find a lot of repair. And also sometimes the repair is us taking a mirror and looking at ourselves and saying, you know what, I could have done that differently, that I could have made a different choice, right? And my choice affected somebody and going past making that, having that conversation with yourself, practicing true self-acceptance true self and love towards yourself looks like being vulnerable and making that repair, especially if it was a healthy relationship, especially if it's someone, when you're looking back at all the facts of the situation, there was someone who was really good for you and good to you. And yes, there is a risk that they can still be mad. There is a risk that they can um, be upset. And it's also possible that this person misses you, right? Especially if they were healthy and loving towards you and all that stuff, right? And you know that the relationship. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Did a um, dissolution in your friendship or relationship or whatever it was because of your own stuff, then you moving forward to change that is what's going to create new patterns towards being love available because to be love available, this practice of being open and allowing healthy others in and experiencing you in totality does not mean that it's always going to be butterflies and rainbows. Again, as human beings, there are going to be some scuff ups. There are going to be some missed moments, some missed um, um, moments in, in, uh, in connection, you know, some misunderstandings, right? I talked a few episodes ago in the sisterhood episode, with Dr. Joy from Therapy for Black Girls about, you know, learning about love language um, miscommunication within one of my friend groups, you know, and needing to have a moment of clarity and, and honesty with myself about it, you know, and that happens. It happens to all of us is what are you going to do with that information? Are you going to use that information to continue to nurture and grow and feed into this vibe of peace, of connection, of prosperity, of abundance, of emotional um, joy? Uh, I guess joy is always an emotion, but you get what I'm saying, you know, just uh, feeling this light freedom. Am I going to move towards using this information to cultivate that and protect that and create new roads so that when there's a, a pothole in the street, I know how to fix it up? Or am I going to keep acting like it's not there until down the road, I'm trying to be all love available and all lovey dovey, but I got all these, <laughs> all these like rocks in the middle of the street and I have all these barriers and again, all these potholes. And now I got to do the work to clean it up, to protect my paradise, to protect this really beautiful Eden that I've built, right? That the work is both. The work is nurturing the flowers, planting the fertilizer, pruning the trees, laying in the grass and looking at the sunshine, and also it's going to be pulling out the weeds. It's going to be clearing out the debris when it 
sweeps down the street, right? And it's all part of the same thing. So that is the first gain of being love available is the unraveling of these negative core beliefs that have always felt true to you being in community and being connection and being connected to yourself. Those no longer hold the same amount of weight, or at least you have evidence contrary of these deep limiting beliefs. The second one is related to, well, no, I'm going to skip to the second one, which is related to what I just shared, which is you get clarity on what is actually your stuff versus other people's stuff. So I remember points in time when it came to other people for me and I, on the Myers-Briggs, I am an ESFJ, um, extroverted, sensing, ESFJ, feeling, judgmental type, for those of you who knows what that means. Um, as I've taken that test over the years, I'm still, I still test as an ESFJ, but being in this healing work, I'm like literally on the borderline with the eye of introversion, like me, me needing more time to recharge is a real thing. But the extroversion is still there, which I'm going to also talk about in a moment. So um, but there has been I've had multiple times in my life, where I was just sick of people. And I was like, I need to live on an island. Because if this is what it means to have friends, or this is what it means to be in partnership, or if this is what it means to like be in family, I don't need it. I don't want it. I'm so sick of the people thing, right? And what I've learned over time is that sometimes those feelings that I was feeling was not because people were peopling and just acting up and it was part of the consequences of being in interpersonal relationships, but because my stuff was flaring up. My insecurities, my distrust of people in relationships, my abandonment wounds, my re rejection wounds, they were the ones that were flaring up and being triggered. And because I didn't know how to identify them, treat them, soothe them, work with them, reframe them, Every time I was in connection with other people, they got deeper, it got bigger, the resentment got bigger, um, the fear of this happening again got bigger, the, the pros or the gains and the benefits that I had in interpersonal relationships, they no longer outweighed the cons. It wasn't worth it anymore, right? And so moving into love availability, I have gained clarity on when I'm being triggered that this is actually a them problem versus a me problem, or maybe a little bit of both in some cases. I have learned how to be able to step back and not step back because I'm going to say, well, I'm going to deal with it by myself. I don't really care, whatever, whatever, but it continues to grow and I nurture that grudge instead of talking about it with the person, right? But literally to step back and kind of, um, you know, talk to myself, talk to my spirits, talk to my soul, talk to my inner child and get really curious about what's happening, you know, and not only get curious, but offer the space, love, affirmation, care that she needs to be able to stay in this relationship. And if, if it's still there at the end of it, and it's because it's actually a people thing, then learning the skills of what it looks like to bring that to that person um, so that there can be a repair, so that we can move forward. But when I was living in not love availability, it was very easy for me to do the cutoff thing that I was mentioning before. But for me, you know, my cutoff thing, I've always been um, pretty polite. You know, the archetype, which I'll be talking about at this month's open house, um, 
that I was very strong in was Miss Popular. So I've always had lots of friends, lots of people, um, lots of community groups around me. And so the way that I would cut people off is I would never not talk to people. I would just get busy and I would move on to the next person. Um, they, they would be replaced, right? And there would be a whole lot of time and space between when we talked again. And when I talked to them, I kept it cute. I kept it casual. I kept it polite, you know, but they would never, what's that mean sound? It goes, you will never get a chance to disrespect me again. You know, like that's where I would go. And so, you know, that is a very great defense mechanism because you get the illusion of always having people around you, but no one ever really gets the chance to know you. Um, and you don't really get a chance to go deep and you also get to be, um, in protective mode. And that's great. But I think, I think a lot of people really yearn for those deep soul connections to really truly be known, right? To have, if, even for those of us who have been really, really hurt, that if there, if someone had a magic wand and say, you know what, I could give you right now a best friend that you knew, that understood you, that y'all could laugh with, that they were on your level and that they wanted the best for you and were reliable and showed up for you and didn't require you to give to them, but they were always giving to you and that they were vulnerable with you and you go talk about it. Like, would you want that? And I don't, again, I've worked with some of the most hurt, um, some of the most hurt individuals. And I can't think of one that would say no to that because the desire to be loved and to be in connection is innate in all of us. We've all learned how to be alone. And, you know, the, the amount of people, right, is what the difference is. You know, some people want to have that living single, you know, tribehood with five or six best friends and then more friends after that. And some people just want one. Two, two is pushing it, right? Um, but that need to be loved and be in connection is innate in human beings. And so, um, so moving into love availability has allowed me to go deeper in my relationships and allowed me to um, not sabotage and push people away prematurely and recycle people out just to find the next person to where I'm not having to redefine my friend group every year. Right. Um, so, yeah. So that is the second thing. The third uh, gain from moving and living in love availability is gaining awareness around what is the difference between being a homebody versus learned avoidance. So this is actually a lesson that I've had to learn very recently is very top of mind. So I might have even said here on the podcast when I've been talking about relationships and maybe even some episodes on love avoidance, I may have even shared that me learning how to be outside and me wanting to be outside was a struggle, right? Because of energy levels, because of yada, 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 who knows what I said? I don't know, but I'm pretty, I'm 89% sure I've shared said that on the podcast. And so that created a belief in me that the way that my social relationships needed to look is different, right? I'm a older, I'm older now. 
I have a child now. I'm running a business. I've been working on my health. I've been trying to balance my self-care. I cannot and do not want to be in the streets like I did before. However, uh, over the last couple of months, I have been making myself um, go outside and say yes to engagements and actually go. And in the past, I've done that, right? I've done that and I've like had dread leading up to it. And I went, went out of obligation, but I was so happy to drive home. So happy to drive home and collapse and just, you know, snuggle into my bed and not talk to nobody else for the rest of the week, right? And yeah, literally for the rest of the week, like I had done my social obligation and duty. But the last couple of months when I've gone out, I do believe that I have still had the millennial dread, which might not just be a millennial thing, but like, you know, if someone were to cancel, I wouldn't be mad because I got my Netflix and I got my snacks and I have my bed, right? And then being in Houston, I don't have to worry about driving an hour anywhere and paying tolls, right? And don't even get me started on parking. Like, you know, would love to see you. Truly would love to see you. But if it got canceled, I wouldn't care. Um, but I've gone to these things and hung out with friends and hung out with new friends and stuff like that. And when I tell you, I have felt so rejuvenated afterwards. Your girl has a bedtime. A few of these things have been at night. I have a very clear bedtime. My close friends know that. I will fall asleep at eight something. Last night, I went to bed. My son was with his dad. I went to bed at seven something. And when I tell you, I was so happy. <laughs> like it was the best night to like catch up on my sleep. Um, so I'm an early sleeper because I wake up early in the morning. I'm I'm a morning person. Um, so usually hanging out later, you know, I just tend to get sleepy and everything, and I'm really ready to go to bed. So I hung out these times, especially the times I'm thinking of. I hung out late at night. This is what kind of clued me into something was different. I hung out with him, and when I tell you, I was so energized. And I was so happy and I wanted the night to keep going on. And I was low key disappointed that it was over or that we had things that we actually had to do the next day and stuff like that. And it, it kept happening to where I was like, wait a minute, do I like being outside? Do I actually like being social? You know, over the last several years between COVID and everything else, in addition to getting older, changing energy cycles and everything else. I think as a collective, we've all learned how to make our home our safe space, that that is our home base, that it's not just a place that we, you know, come back and recharge at, but like this is our preferred number one location. And I think that's beautiful, but I think it's also tricked many of us to thinking that there are no, again, that the benefits of being outside and being social, the gains of being in community and connection aren't really that as good as they were before, right? That, that, that the payoff has shifted. And for me, I was like, huh, I think, I think I actually like this more. I think I actually need this more. And so, you know, what I thought was me becoming a homebody, becoming older, yada, 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 all the excuses that I said before, it was just learned avoidance. It was a, it was a habit, y'all. 
It was a habit that I had um, built and cultivated, again, because of real um, external reasons between uh, international, a global pandemic, um, and so many other factors, right? Um, But I learned this habit of sticking to myself, right? And the thing about habits is even if they are causing dysfunction or making you feel miserable in some way or taking from your life, habits are so because they are familiar, they're comfortable, they're reflexive, right? You can do them without even thinking. Your body knows how to do it. So when it's given the option to do something else, it's always going to choose to do what it knows how to do, whether or not it's staying home, not trusting somebody, automatically saying yes when you need to start saying no, right? It, in, in all directions, whatever your um, unhealthy habit or undesired activity or, you know, whatever is a better phrase for something that you may have outgrown or something that may be worth you reexamining, your body knows how to do that well. And so retraining yourself to do something different will take effort. Or, or not, if you have been, you know, very comfortable being in the house all the time and you have an opportunity to hang out with someone that you really want to hang out with, but you're so used to like, getting a little rush of dopamine and joy when plans are canceled or, you know, stay in the house, whatever, you're not going to feel exuberation just from hearing this podcast episode when it's time to go and hang out, right? Because your body is used to training you to not be social, training you to be um, insular um, and those types of things. So it's going to take practice, but what I've gotten is more of a connection to myself. I've gotten so much more connection to my joy um, so that now when I am alone and when I am, you know, recharging, it is that much more beneficial, right? And I also don't have a fear or dread around being outside anymore. You know, now I still need to be discerning around it. And this is where I'm learning right now. You know, is this discernment still me? being protective or is it because I know myself, right? And I know that for me, especially being someone who's neurodivergent, um, that I really do, it might not be that I don't have enough energy versus focus. There, There are different things that I can focus on at different periods of time without taking away from focus from other areas of my life. So when I really want to focus on my parenting and being a mom of the year, that takes focus away from maybe my self-care routines or maybe what I'm doing with my job or um, doing here in Black Girls Heal. Or if I'm really focused on creating things here for Black Girls Heal and finishing the books and all that other stuff, then it may take away from me being able to show up socially or it may take away from my romantic relationship or it may take away from, you know, all these different pockets. Right. And so that's more the um, conservation that I need to pay attention to right now as I learn how to navigate that. But as far as like, if you go outside, you're going to regret it, Sheena, you're not going to, you know, you're going to be looking at the clock and you're not going to have fun. No, that's, that's not the case. Um, I have the most amazing friends and women and community in my life um, because, because, <laughs> because they're, because um, I'm lucky, because I'm blessed. Um, and so me hanging out with them is not going to be a deterrent um, in that way, but I do have to figure out how do I balance all the things that I have in life um, because for me, 
I may have it all, but not all at the same time, or at least not in the way that, you know, not at 100 percent focus at all times, if that makes sense. If I figure out how to negotiate that, negotiate that and navigate that um, with some more executive functioning skills, I will come and share that. But that's where I am for now. So the fourth game that I kind of shyly shied away from just now (laughs) that I'm going to talk about it with with a with my whole chest is community. The fourth gain of living in love availability is community. So I feel like I've always been blessed by being around amazing people. Um, Of course, there's been some really shitty people. There's been people who have been frenemies. There have been people who have been ops. There have been people who have betrayed me and hurt me. You know, of course, those things have happened. And I have always had some of the most amazing friends and potential friends around me. Now, did I always optimize those friendships? Did I do my love avoidant thing by rotating all of these friends and not really going deep with them because it was easier to do so? Um, it kept me, kept me, kept it live and entertaining as well. I'm also someone who just naturally uh, likes to do different things and, you know, get bored easily. I like to do something new, you know, so, um, what intersection all that has together, we can go deeper into in a different episode when we're talking about it. But to talk about this point, I've always had access to really amazing people around me. But again, did I allow them to get to know me? Did I allow them to know me in totality? One common refrain that I heard from people across the board forever through all grade school through college through grad school and after were friends saying we always talk about me we never talk about you right um and we would have the best conversations laugh and do everything else but they didn't need to know what, what do you need to know? You got to ask me a question. I don't, I don't know how to answer that. Or, you know, nothing's going on. Everything's fine. And girl, I know I'm good and well. I got the same life, insecurities, relationship wins, relationship woes, you know, self-doubts, uh, little insignificant things that happen, big things that happen. But I was so not used to allowing people into my life or even again going back to my negative negative core belief thinking that they would even care about it right or if I did have someone who cared um, that rejection and abandonment wound and fear comes in thinking that well it's not going to last that long you know everyone who comes they leave right they change their mind about me they um, they get bored whatever whatever story fit the moment that's what that's the thought that would come up and so now to have community that I'm engaging in in a different way and learning how to be more intimate and vulnerable is so beautiful and amazing. And also them seeing me at my most vulnerable, insecure, weakened spots, embarrassing spots, and still holding space for me, right? Um, is truly incredible. Um, and the fact that they're all fine and that I can laugh with them and that we can, you know, like it's just, is blessings on tops of blessings on top of blessings, right? And that I can fully stay here and I don't I don't necessarily worry about them changing their mind on me because the more I'm vulnerable and the more they show up for me, the more healed I can get. And hopefully something in them is healed as well. So you've heard me say before that When it comes to healing and intimacy disorder, 
doing this work on its uh, on on its own is difficult because the crux of an intimacy disorder is the difficulty being intimate with other people. You only learn what works and what doesn't work by being in connection, by having the moments of love and learning how to attune yourself to let yourself be happy and let yourself receive that type of love and let learn how to give love without feeling like it's old or obligated and also learning how to navigate the, the low points too. And discerning, again, whether or not the low point means that this is a dangerous predator that you've, um, you know, you didn't quite see the signs or maybe you did, but you um, mislabeled the severity. And so now you have to um, enact those boundaries, right, and remove this person from your life um, or greatly, greatly demote them. Or is the mishap that happened uh, part of the miscommunications that happen um what naturally happens when you bring in two different people with different perspectives different lifestyles no matter how much you have in common like people grow up in totally different houses i remember there was one point um i was in i was in college and it was during the summer and you know it was one of those periods between when the dorms closed and between the next session when it opens and didn't want to go back home so I was staying in one of my friend's apartments and, you know, again, again, totally different homes. So she had nonstick pants. I grew up in a house where we really didn't have much of anything. And so for me, when I'm using nonstick pants to scramble eggs or whatever it was that I was doing in my house, we just use forks, right? Um, I, I didn't know about such technology, right? Um, she didn't know that I didn't know. So she had a sit down meeting with me and she was very upset and found it very disrespectful that I was using forks on her Gnostic pans and that I was just intentionally being negligent and damaging her property. And I was like, I was like, first of all, Gnostic pants. Like, I, like, I literally I was like, what, you know? And so like, but you know, she, she didn't know what I didn't know. And of course, you know, if this were to happen, with me now, you know, being more aware of the world, I, I would be just as upset. I'd be like, yo, you, we got spatulas right here, right here, you know, but this is just an example of what you may think is common sense in a relationship or just in general, people who you may have everything in common with, there are still going to be those differences. And are you going to be able to communicate what you need and what's important to you without coming from a place of attack um, and expecting the best while still being able to own your own truth? Or do you go straight towards, you know, all the defense mechanisms that you did before? And these are all the things that we that we learn, right? Things that we learn how to communicate, learn what our truths are, learn how to move towards people and all of that. Okay, so I hope that y'all found this podcast episode helpful if you missed the episode from earlier this week about uh, practicing self-love and in the midst of self-doubt and imposter syndrome be sure to check that out but in the meantime again I'm so happy to be with you all today if you liked what you heard about today and you want to learn more about the archetypes, if you want to learn more about working together, if you want to attend our open house 
on September 20th at 6.30 p.m. CST, I would love for you to join me. You can go to blackgirlsheal.org slash open house and you can join. And again, it's free to attend. Um, there will be a special incentive for the women who enroll that night. Um, and or the women who enroll that night and the women that attend. So would love to have you there. So again, blackgirlsheal.org slash open house. And we are going to send a survey to, um, so there are some women I didn't even advertise and there are some women who have already registered, which I think is awesome. Um, you're already ex exploring on the website and you're like, I want to know more. So I'm um, look forward to see y'all there. Um, getting that group chat live. The group chats at the open houses are always so much fun. Um, but we're going to send the email to y'all, but for everybody else who registers, um, there's going to be a survey. So I would love for you to share what it is that you want to work on. Um, and what is it that you are interested in, in healing? And so that I can shout that out. I won't say your name. I never say people's names. Um, but I can shout that out if it's something that we can work on. And if not, then, um, again, those of you who have attended the open houses, I'm very honest with like, this wouldn't be the right fit for you, but this is the next step that I suggest, um, is I only want women in this program who I feel like I can actually help. And so, um, if that is you again, we'd love to have you. So again, blackgirlsheal.org slash open house. And I look forward to seeing you all there on the 20th. All right. That's it. I will talk to y'all later. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.